Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to this episode of MedHeads. And today we're talking with Dr. Savina about the fed and fasted state. Hello, Savina, how are you? Good, thank you, Fergal. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. So when we think about eating, we, we know that the when we eat, we, we engage in the fed state and then the opposite of eating is the fasting state. So can you explain to us what happens when we eat? So when we eat, we eat a plate of food, maybe, you know, um, some carbs or protein or fat. Now these things get broken down into little molecules so that they can get absorbed. So the food goes into our stomach, processes happen, then they get trigger off a release of different types of hormones. One of these hormones, mainly insulin, would be a huge thing we'll be talking about further down the track. Um, so carbs is a common food group that gets broken down into simple sugars that tends to trigger off a huge sugar release and also a huge insulin response protein for example eating meats or tofus or legumes that on the other hand triggers off sort of a moderate insulin response and a little bit of a sugar response increase also fat on the other hand so um for example your mufas and poofas that we talked about last session um you know your your avocados and nuts and oily fish they trigger up a very small insulin risk increase and a small sugar increase. And that is tends to be tying it back to what we were talking about the last time, why MUFAs and PUFAs are also really important in our diet. So that's our fa- fed state. Um, I guess we can, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the fasting state before we go into it further? So, yeah, I mean, the key thing about the fed state is there's, there is this rise in insulin which is secreted by the pancreas in response to food. And then the opposite of that is the fasting state where we we have a drop in insulin and then an increase in other hormones, in particular glucagon, which is also secreted by the pancreas, which then stimulates the body, the liver, to produce sugars again. this the fed state and the hormonal regulation of the fed state go goes hand in hand with the fasting state and its hormonal regulation so that we maintain a a normal range of blood sugar throughout the day and the night because we only eat you know you know traditionally we eat three meals a day but there are other cultures that you know they eat one meal a day so Despite only eating perhaps once a day, we still are able to maintain a constant level of blood sugar and therefore energy uh, throughout the entire day cycle. So it's a, a really interesting thing to understand the balance between the fed state hormones and the fasting state hormones. So we can see that the regulation of blood sugar is tightly controlled by this relationship between the fed and the fasting state, and in particular between insulin and uh, glucagon. So can you explain to us the the effects of insulin on the body? So insulin is basically a storage hormone. It makes you pick up sugar from your, your bloodstream 
and puts it into your cells so that the cells can function and have energy to run its metabolic processes. That's basically the simple truth about insulin. Some even go as far as calling it the fat hormone because the more insulin you have, it makes you fatter. We'll come to that at another point, I suppose. Um, Essentially, there are a few things that can trigger off insulin release um, and as mainly eating. So, for example, sugar, proteins, which get broken down to amino acids. um, That's one of the other things. And also um, um, basically a state of relaxation. So your parasympathetic nervous system, that also makes you Mm -hmm. take up more sugar of your bloodstream um, and thus lowering your sugar. And that takes it back to, you know, the importance of stress um, reduction and relaxation. Insulin acts as a a trigger to store. It's, It's time for the harvest to be brought in and the corn to go into the barns. But it's important to understand that, yes, the biggest trigger for insulin is glucose. You do get some kind of insulin triggering by amino acids, but you tend not to get uh, insulin secretions triggered by fat. Although insulin does actually then cause lipogenesis, which is the storage of excess energy into fat cells. Now, the opposite of that is the is the starved the, the, the starved state. And the key hormone there, as we've already said, is glucagon. And so what are the effects of glucagon on the body? So glucagon is basically what you need when your body is looking for energy, essentially, as you said, starved hormone. No. It ba- breaks down. So one of the functions is that it breaks down your um, glycogen, which has was the stored form of your sugar in your liver to make it available Mm -hmm. as quick energy for your cells to use. That's Mm -hmm. basically what the main function of glucagon is. Now, if you don't, um, so that's when it triggers you to eat and then you eat and get more sugar and then you increase your sugar levels again. If we just look at the liver and we just focus on glucose, insulin puts sugar into the liver as as, sorry, as glycogen, which is the kind of a liver starch and glucagon breaks down the glycogen in the liver to maintain glucose levels in the in the starved state. What other hormones affect the levels of sugar in our bloodstream? So it's very easy to think of insulin as the main storage hormone and glucagon as the main hormone that triggers the release of energy from the liver. But there are other hormones that are involved in this action. One important hormone is growth hormone. Growth hormone also regulates blood sugar in the starved state. So what happens in the starved state is its levels go up and it stimulates energy release from fat cells, so, and, but it preserves amino acids in muscle. So it allows us to, when we're in the starved state, to actually burn fat, but protect our muscles. And of course, that's got a survival benefit because you know, your fat cells your, are, are your long-term energy stores, and you want to use those when you're in a, in a starved state, but you do not want to use your uh, muscle. You don't want to break down your muscle because you've got to, you need your muscles to move and to run away and survive in the wilderness. So that's the second hormone that is important in understanding the regulation of blood sugar levels in the starved state. There are other hormones that are involved in the... Uh, maintenance of the fed state and so they're called the incretins so you know things like gastric inhibitory peptide or glucagon like peptide one 
These are secreted by the gut and stimulate insulin release just because of the presence of food in the gut rather than the presence of glucose in the bloodstream. And they are important targets for drug therapy. So we can think about insulin and the incretins as hormones that are present in the fed state. And we can think of glucagon and growth hormone as hormones that are present in the starved state. It's important to emphasize though that growth hormone does not lose or does not cause the breakdown of protein into amino acids. It preserves protein, but it still manages to break down fat to maintain uh, energy levels and sugar levels. I think so, the other thing, Fergal, to mention, worth mentioning mm -hmm. in terms of what else inhibits the insulin release from your pancreas apart from your, um, um, I guess, would be um, stress. I think the sympathetic nervous system inhibits yeah. insulin release from pancreas. Um, and that's the other reason why we say, you know, going back to what I said earlier, um, stress levels, the flight or fight response can worsen glucose levels, sugar levels. Yeah. Yes, yes. And of course, there is another hormone that is associated with stress or long term stress, and that's cortisol. And cortisol is also known to uh, increase our blood sugars over the long term. So, you know, it's a, so I suppose what we're really saying is there are many, many uh, factors that can alter the overall regulation of uh, energy levels and glucose levels in, in the bloodstream. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, the, the hormonal regulation of the fed and the, and the starved state, but it's also important to understand the hormonal regulation of appetite because those are closely involved in feeding and, and, and fasting, aren't they? Very much so, Fogel, very much so. So there are two commonly used, talked about hormones in what stimulates and suppresses your appetite, ghrelin and leptin. Um, mm. Essentially, ghrelin, as you would know, it is your sort of appetite stimulating hormone. It's called your hunger hormone. It makes you hungry. Um, so yeah. you, it rises really quickly before eating. You eat and then the levels fall. Then what happens is your leptin levels will increase because it's telling you that you're full and sending signals to your brain saying that's enough, mm. to put it very simplistically. Yeah. yeah. So ghrelin causes hunger and leptin causes satiety. But there's a couple of things to understand about that. So ghrelin is secreted by the stomach. And this, the signal to stop that secretion involves stomach distension. So when we have food, in our stomach, the stomach enlarges a little bit and that makes us feel full and that's mediated by ghrelin. And the signal uh, that the stomach sends out is this hormone ghrelin, which acts on, amongst other tissues, the hypothalamus in the brain, which is the feeding center, the satiety center. Leptin is secreted by fat cells. So we used to think that fat cells were metabolically inactive and they were literally just you know, vast warehouses of energy. But they're actually hormonally very active. And when your energy levels, when your sugar levels go up, when your triglyceride levels go up, when you feel full, when you're full of energy, the fat cells secrete leptin and they send a signal to the hypothalamus as well, saying we're full, you know, it's that's in, that's enough. But ghrelin antagonizes the effect of leptin on the hypothalamus. So that's why people people used to think that we could actually treat obesity by you know 
giving super physiological levels of leptin, but actually you can't because if you're hungry, the ghrelin in your system is going to block any uh, attempt by leptin, the satiety hormone, to tell the hypothalamus that we're full. So there's, there's actually a close dance between the levels of ghrelin and leptin that also regulate our appetite in conjunction with the close regulation of our hormonal fed state and our hormonal fasting state. Just to throw one more thing into the mix there with how you were talking about leptin and its release from your fat tissues. You would think that an obese person would have higher levels of leptin, but there's also a, a part called insulin resistance. The more obese you are, the more fat cells you have, the higher leptin levels you have, but there's also leptin level leptin resistance, hence they also don't feel full and they might end up eating more. Um, but we'll come to all that a bit more when we talk a bit more on obesity next time. Yeah, that's a really important point, Savina, that, that as you put on weight, you get leptin resistance. You have high levels of lept leptin circulating, but they're just not working. So, and again, that's another example of why super physiological dosing of leptin doesn't work. It doesn't work to suppress appetite. So, Savina, thanks very much for your time today. I really look forward to chatting with you again very soon on Lifestyle Matters. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.